morning, everybody. I'm Sakshi, and welcome to today's speaking webinar. It is my utmost privilege to have Mr. Amit Sharma with me on board today. Mr. Sharma is the vice president and the head of HR of Volvo, where he provides strategic HR leadership across Volvo Group of India. He was formerly the country HR head director of TE Connectivity. With more than two decades in the HR domain, he has worked with the top line of organizations like Philips, uh, Johnson & Johnson, Indian Oil, and Balarpul Industries. The wide spectrum of his focus areas have been HR business partnering, capability and culture building, organization development and change management, employee relations engagement, and M&A, and so on. Apart from an MBA in HR, he also holds a diploma in training and development from the ITSD, ISTD, sorry, New Delhi, and is certified OD practitioner from ISABS New Delhi and a certified coach in Neuro Leadership Institute. I welcome you, Mr. Sharma. Thank you for joining us today. My pleasure, Shakti. Thank you. Uh, so uh, getting on with it, it's, it's a real honor to have a leader of your stature with us today. And uh, with, the kind, with the amount of time that you spent in this industry, in the HR domain, you would have seen it grow and evolve over the changing times. So I recently read an HBR article, which was about a G3 mechanism, uh, the CEO, the CFO, and the CHRO being the three drivers of business. And also it talked about the evolving role of HR in business. Uh, in, in your experience, how has the purview of the VP of HR or the CHRO, how has the purview of this role increased uh, in, in, the, in the changing times? Sure, and that's a really nice question, uh, Sakshian. Thanks for asking that. Uh, and it, I think it's a, a good way to start this conversation. If you really look at it in any organization, this uh, triad, if you call it, of CEO, CHRO, and CFO, that forms the crux of whatever we are going to do in the businesses. Because ultimately, business is about what? Business is about people. Business is about money. So these two have to come together and then only the goods will be produced or services will be produced and the customer's need will be met. So primarily, these are the two principal drivers in, in any organization. Apart from that, you can talk of machinery and, and everything else, which are operations which comes in or sales. This is all after. The first thing you need is you need to have the right people and you also need to have the right capital structure. So in any progressive organization, you will see this triangle being at the core. It's about, you know, you can say one is the right hand, one is the left hand, and we can debate which is the right, which is the left. That's a classic debate which we'll keep on having with the CFOs and CHROs. But the larger point is that both are uh, the two hands of the CEOs in, in making things really happen and, and, and making a difference to the organization. Coming to how it has evolved, uh, and that's an interesting piece because when I look at it, the HR had role at one point of time earlier when I was when I was kind of a growing on uh, growing up in my career, and I was looking at the HR head's role during those days. That used to be more like a, a HR service provider. You know, you have to pro, you know take care of compliances, you have to take care of admin, and you take care of recruiting, payroll, typical the services aspect of it. And over a period of time, HR role has really become extremely critical, intertwined part of the business. And that's a, a massive change which has happened in this function. No other function has evolved to that level which, uh, which HR function has evolved. And today, it's at the primacy, it's at the center of this entire uh, organizational uh, structure. 
so because everything we, we are talking about everything is uh, is revolving around people we are talking about the fact that people are the most critical assets then how do we really manage this asset or how do we really or i would not even call it an asset i would call it actually it's a potential how do we really manage this potential and how do we really grow this potential so that's a massive change which has happened uh, from uh, hr leader being earlier seen as a service provider with hr leader today being seen as an equal business manager who specializes in the domain of human resources so that's the classic shift which has happened absolutely as you said mr sharma a great way to start is to actually understand uh, what this role is all about uh, if i zoom out a little away from the zone uh, the businesses and the worlds are ever evolving and uh, you know so how has the this entire hr landscape uh, you know shifted in all these times uh, talking about probably touching some points like uh, the major global trends that are happening in hr see the major trends if you really look at it over the last few years we were getting into a lot of technology in hr we were uh, we were getting into hr which was more uh, technology enabled ai enabled uh, you know um, and we were also looking at using leveraging uh, it uh, force for the uh, for the business what was also happening at that time was when we were doing all of this we were also reducing the hr ratios uh, so in terms of number of people to hr that was changing and from what it used to be earlier when when one hr person if if it was managing let's say 100 people over a period of time became 200 250 300 in some companies even 500 so what happened was hr role became more of uh, you know managing a technology at, at the back and that's what it was kind of going to now suddenly there is a shift which has happened now with covid and suddenly when you have seen things around uh, when we are dealing with uh, mental health issues we are dealing with employee safety issues we are dealing with employee health issues and suddenly we are finding that yes no so we we need to have technology but we also need to have equal focus around heart and i have always believed that hr has to play more from heart and not just from technology it's good to leverage technology it's good to leverage all the it infrastructure ai machine whatever we may call it it's all good but on top of it it has to be the fact that an hr person needs to connect to the employees understand what they are feeling and try to then come up with mechanisms come up with policies come up with initiatives which are you know ensuring that those issues are resolved and and that's where the the, the connect is going to happen another shift which has also happened uh, over a period of time is that earlier hr was always supposed to be the uh the go to person for any employee issue if if you know if something is to be done uh, if an hr matter the business leader will say hey call up hr and hr will answer this query if something is good something is bad policy is clear policy is not clear uh, a disciplinary action is to be taken a promotion decision has to be taken whatever ultimately you know people used to say oh my job is not to manage my job is to manage sales or my job is to manage operations the hr's job which is supposed to manage people and go and speak to the hr person over a period of time what has also happened that hr has evolved as a coach hr has evolved as a coach to the business leaders in terms of building their capability in managing people and that's another major shift which has come in uh, as an from a point of view of hr we are saying that as an hr leader we are responsible for developing our leaders to manage people well 
we are uh, responsible for creating the right ecosystem in the organization to ensure that leaders can manage their business and when we say manage the business people are an integral part of managing the business you can't say that i'll not manage i'll only manage the the technical aspect of the business and leave out uh, the people uh, aspect of it so enabling that people leadership enabling that people manager competence i think that's a big shift which has happened now and as an hr people are as, as an hr function i would say we are more focused around building that kind of uh, uh, ecosystem uh, in the organization that kind of a capability and if you take one step further from there how do you build that capability it is about how do you start creating that culture how do you start focusing on the right culture in the organization where these behaviors are appreciated how do you start behaving uh, creating a culture in the organization where employees are seen as you know a, a responsibility of a manager to manage that and it and they they take not only a responsibility they take full ownership of their people end to end uh, so so that's the culture piece so these are the critical shifts which are uh, which are seen now and and that's going to be really path breaking in terms of all progressive organizations uh, that where hr starts to play a role of a of a culture champion hr starts to play a role of developing the right capabilities in the uh, in the organization but for, then it's their job to ensure that those capabilities are displayed and on third piece we ensure that we have our ears to the ground we understand the employees what employees are feeling and we create those uh, initiatives which are sensitive towards employees needs and we have our uh, you know uh, heart at the right place very very insightful points uh, mr sharma about keeping the heart in the game and uh, <clears throat> i would just like to jump on to a question which i would have come to later in the later part of the webinar since we've already touched uh, you know uh, talking about how the senior leadership and management is also expected to drive the objectives of the chro so given uh, you know the current uh, repercussions which are happening in the world due to the economic uh, crisis which we are seeing uh, and the reduction in the employability quotient if there was one advice that you could give to the senior management or the c suite employees uh, regarding you know driving a more suitable culture or upskilling themselves or uh, creating a basic motivational environment what would that be i think the biggest advice uh, or i should i should call it advice i think what the leadership teams need to do is build the uh, is the concept what we call as adaptive leadership is a concept where we are saying that maybe a leader may not have all the answers let's involve everybody in finding the right solution we don't know what's going to be there we don't know what's the right way and and this entire pandemic has shown us nobody knows what was the right way of doing it nobody had experienced such a downturn at any point of time one would have seen various economic cycles but such a massive change and that to so abrupt and that to so sudden nobody had ever envisaged envisaged and no leader would have known it the companies which have survived and the companies which have done well are the ones we have taken the collective intelligence of the group to decide what's going to happen i think the 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 way the leadership needs to behave going forward is about ensuring that we are using the might of the collective intelligence of the entire team it's not that as, as a leader i have all the answer and please go and do it we have to move away from the directive style of a leadership to a more uh, participative style of leadership a style where we are encouraging where we are putting where everybody has a skin in the game as a leader i am not ashamed of saying that you know i don't know the answer let's let's find out uh, and then collectively decide what's the right way of doing it i think those are the things which needs to happen and that's the shift which is happening in good organization i can also tell you that but that's what i think is the behavior which is required uh, going forward 
It's more about how we are being adaptive. It's more about how we are being agile. It's more about how we are using the collective intelligence of the entire group towards what is going to be uh, what we need to do going forward. Absolutely. Uh, keeping the theme on with the current changes in the scenario, uh, this is a question I personally also have that uh, on one end, there is uh, you know, a spike in the number of uh, unemployed workforce due to the pandemic going on and the economic crisis. But also at the same time, there's also a lot of questions around, uh, you know, it is becoming increasingly difficult to uh, hire the right kind of talent into the industry. So there's this dichotomy which, which uh, you know, exists in the market, one side of which is really talked about, which is an unemployment. But the other side of it, I'd uh, really like your perspective about that. Yeah, no, that's a <laughs> concept. There's some echo somewhere. So, is it okay now? Yeah, let's see. Yeah. So this is something which we are dealing with, you know, for, for quite a long time. I think this is not a current phenomenon. This is something which I have been facing right from the time when I had I started recruiting that for a few jobs, you have large number of applicants, which shows the kind of unemployment which we have and that shows the kind of need for job creation, which we have in this country. At the same time, when we go through them, we find hardly a few people who are employable, who are uh, up to the mark in terms of uh, specifications for the job. And that is where I think uh, we really need to relook at it in terms of our entire uh, educational curriculum. And it's also about how as an industry we are participating in that. See, it's very easy to always push the blame on the government or push the blame on the, uh, on the academic institution that you are not generating employable people. But what is our responsibility towards it? What as industry we are doing to generate that employability? Are we participating enough with the academia in terms of customizing the courses for our need? Are we sending our officers to the academia to teach students what the skills required in, in the organizations? Are we setting up the labs for them for the new generation uh, engines? For example, we are today at BS6 engines. I don't know how many labs in India would have a BS6 engine in their uh, you know, mechanical branch workshops. And you will find it very, very few. I can say that uh, confidently. Um, and many of them would have still the old engines uh, you know, as part of their uh, workshop practice. And, and so and so and so forth. If you look at it today, the automobile, my, uh, the entire automobile today is no longer a mechanical device. The automobile has become a, 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 a mechatronics device. It has electronics, it has computers, it has uh, a programming logic control, it has sensors, apart from having a, uh, the, the mechanical heart, which is the engine and the gearbox. But the engine and the gearbox are again controlled by, uh, by electronics and by computer, by the chips which are there. So you really, we really need to have the right kind of uh, you know, partnership with, uh, with the academia to, to make sure that all of that gets incorporated in the, in the course curriculum. And that's when we'll be able to create people who are more industry relevant. And that's one thing uh, which that partnership needs to happen very, uh, very closely between academia and the industry. Uh, to, to create more employable people. That's point number one. Point number two, which I always see, is that the biggest problem which people have uh, when, or, or the reason for their, their not being successful in the organizations is lack of soft skills. And we don't focus on soft skills in our academia. Most of our uh, you know, uh, technical schools focus on technical curriculum. I remember when I did my engineering, there was only one course in, uh, you know, we called it industrial sociology and industrial psychology. Out of uh, eight semesters, and each semester would have about five to six courses. 
so almost about 50 courses uh, is what we uh, study over a period of four years as part of our engineering and how many courses as far as the arts are concerned or, or liberal arts is concerned or psychology is concerned sociology is concerned one plus one of english and probably one of economics so three courses out of a, a bouquet of 50. so where's the focus and what happens when people come to organizations where they lack they lack in agility they lack in learning agility they lack in adaptability they lack in uh, emotional quotient uh, or uh, emotional adaptability uh, you know we expect them to be innovative we expect them to think out of the box we expect them uh, you know uh, to have uh, uh, to, to manage conflicts well we, we put an engineer on the shop floor and expect the person to manage the teams, uh, you know, uh, the entire uh, uh, wage associates uh, which are there. And then the person has had no, no formal training in terms of managing people. The person's training is only about on the technical skills. And suddenly you start seeing conflicts which start to happen uh, between uh, a supervisor and the workforce because the person has never learned how to manage conflicts. And then whatever learning happens, then that happens on the job. And then some people survive, some people are not able to survive. So the fact that in our course curriculum today, we are not focusing enough on softer skills. And these are the skills which are key to success. Uh, for, you know, if you'll have two people uh, of almost similar uh, kind of a, uh, technical aptitude, uh, uh, or even somebody has a technical aptitude which is shared lower than uh, you know, technical aptitude of the other person. But if that person uh, who is a shared lower is extremely good in terms of his human relation skills, I can tell you that person will be more successful than uh, uh, than the other person unless you are doing enough you are doing a pure individual contributor techie role now that's very different but in most of our organizations we have roles which are not strongly individual contributor techie roles each roles are interdependent and we are working in a larger organizational ecosystem and this is where working together makes a lot of difference so that piece i think we need to ensure that in organizations there is enough sorry in academia there's enough focus on developing soft skills too. And when you'll have this combination of both you know, an industry relevant curriculum, number one, number two, uh, also equal amount of focus on soft skills, that will ensure that there's, there is better employability of these uh, students who are coming out and you will see uh, start seeing uh, a, a close match between the two. Now, this is something if you look at the supply side from the industry, uh, from the academia. This third element around this, which is the uh, supply side when it comes to lateral entry now in the lateral entry what happens is that you know i have learned something and um, you know let's say uh, 20 years back i have done my mba you know uh, 22 years back i have done my engineering and after that have i learned after that something or not or if i'm just sitting on my past laurels which is which i learned about 20 years back and got a good rank and then it, then it's done so what is the learning agility today or is there learning agility in the people so what the, the skills keep on changing, you know, the requirement for a skills keep on changing. As you grow higher in the system, you need to acquire new skills because what is needed at that level will be very different from what was needed at, at, the, at the lower level. Or when you are moving from one role to another, what kind of learning agility you have to ensure that I can do a different kind of a role? Now, many, many people don't show that. They just stick to whatever they know and just try to keep on doing the same thing day in and day out. And then they just hit a ceiling. And after that, uh, when they can't grow, they are neither able to grow in that organization nor able to apply outside because you know, they have kind of hit the roof. Beyond that, there is nothing uh, for them. So the learning agility and ability to constantly uh, add value to oneself 
is is very critical i think these are three factors which are important uh, you know in term when we look at the employability and the employment scenario in the country thank you for the explanation of this deep rooted dichotomy uh since we touched the topic of the automobile industry and you have the words i view of being the vp and the head of hr uh could you name a few challenges which the automobile industry is facing at this point of time in your purview which probably are a little different from the other industries automotive uh, industry look at it uh, there are challenges which are coming in from a larger uh, i would call it environmental uh, area and then this uh, challenge which are coming from a people standpoint if you look at the larger environment issue or the business environment issue we find that automotive industry today is taxed on the higher side so our products are taxed almost at 28% which is a which is extremely high taxation rate compared to the taxation rate for all others it, it's an essential service a truck or a bus is not a luxury Uh, but the taxation is still higher so what happens that because of that the demand is on the lower side because it's expensive to buy it and when the demand comes lower then and then the industry has its own cycle of coping with it so that uh, that becomes one that that's one challenge which this industry is facing the second challenge which this industry is facing about the vehicle scrappage policy so we have vehicles uh, but uh, even in in spite of the fact that they have run their utility they still continue on the roads uh, we don't have a vehicle scrappage policy in india that after 15 years or 10 years or whatever uh, is the most appropriate number for that category of vehicle after that the vehicle will be scrapped and you can buy a new one and that's there in most of the, in many of the advanced countries so that also creates its own dynamics uh, around uh, the demand uh, so those are the two big ones i would say uh, uh, which are there from a larger environment perspective and also the fact that currently in the automotive industry has made a major shift from a bs4 to bs6 now the india is one of the i would say the only countries in my knowledge which has made this leap of uh, change uh, in one go otherwise from bs4 you come to bs5 and from bs5 you go to bs6 or in europe it was euro 4 euro 5 euro 6 but in our country we took a, a significant jump which again disrupted this entire automotive industry and which again disrupted uh, you know with uh, with uh, the demand it also had a lot of investment going into it so this industry is facing this challenge on one hand we had to put a lot of investment on the other hand the demand is not uh, you know uh, uh, is not getting generated because of the fact that uh, you know we don't have adequate scrappage policy and also the fact that we don't have we have high taxation rate and the, and the last piece i would call it from a larger environment perspective is the fact that uh, the lending is also uh, to today squeezed Uh, it's not as uh, you know uh, easy to uh, to take loans from the banks these days so so that's another piece which is in, impacting the demand so those are the things which i would say from a macro economic perspective which are impacting it zoom in uh, to the to, to the people challenges now that gets starts to reflect because then what happens is when the demand is a bit uncertain uh, you have you, you also need to uh, you know have the uh, meet the challenge of workforce fluctuations because with the changing demands you also have to have your workforce patterns or the manning pattern which are equally flexible with respect to that so how do you deal with it is a, uh, is a challenge and, and ensuring that we are doing it in a compliant way ensuring that we do it in the right way in a sensitive way that always becomes a challenge in such kind of uh, industry the second important piece is about the fact that 
we are in a premium segment where uh, whether a volvo vehicle is is made in india or any part of the world the quality has to be the same because it's about the brand it's about uh, the trust people have in the brand so it takes a lot of time to train people on on such uh, you know uh, quality standards which are generally uh, you know uh, extremely higher higher than most most of the others i'll not comment on uh, the other industries but typically what happens is uh, you know uh, when we say a volvo product it has to be world class in terms of its quality and which means people have to be there with the extremely high level of proficiency so training them uh, creates its own uh, challenge and and takes its own time in keeping that in in creating those uh, industry ready people or the floor ready people uh, for that so those are two broad things which we see uh, over here the third piece which we are also seeing a disruption in the auto industry now is moving to a uh electro mobility and we say that uh, and um, that from a point of view of uh, automobiles we are every company is trying to reduce its carbon footprint every company is trying to reduce uh, create vehicles which are less and less uh, carbon emitting vehicles which means we have to move to alternate uh, technologies and when we have to move to alternate technologies what do we do we have to reskill our people towards that we have to uh, re uh, create new capabilities towards uh, these emerging technologies and that also becomes a challenge because then the, uh, the the old technology is there so it's not that it's going off going away we can we continue to maintain that but we also start to parallelly make the shift so that we are future ready and and gradually we start moving towards uh, uh, towards an environment where we have vehicles which have uh, you know very limited uh, carbon emission so creating those right capabilities becomes another challenge those are some of the people challenges which we see uh, apart from the economic challenges which are shared with you thank you for this holistic view into the challenges of the industry uh, moving into uh, the basic change the buzzword nowadays is remote working work from home uh, but uh, there's this one lesser talked about aspect of it which is uh, remote management uh, across uh, hiring retention and all the other hr functions the entire process has become virtual it has become non personal um how in these situations are the organizations changing to now hit the bullseye with respect to these uh, processes so that's very critical and uh, you know coincidentally i was speaking to one of my friend uh, you know a few minutes before this conversation and uh, she asked me uh, how is it going i said hey work from home and she said i am so tired of this work from home i just want to go to office now i it's just getting on the nerves and and that's a reality across many people it's not just she who said that i can tell you most of the people when i'm speaking to they are you know really you know waiting for the time to come they can go back to office meet people interact people lead the normal life so this is become an abnormal life which is being led by people uh, all sitting remote the remote working was good or the work from home was good in the initial days people enjoyed the fact that they are not going to spend time on the traffic they are not going to spend time uh, on the road with the honking and and in pollution you know they are in their homes uh, in a much cleaner environment but off late uh, it's all uh, you know they say excess of everything is bad and when you are forced to do something it's even worse so this is what is happening now because this is happening by force and this is happening by excess and you don't have a choice uh, it's creating a same kind of a, you know feeling in the people which people had earlier when they were forced to come to office and and especially the companies where there was no remote working or no work from home they used to feel hey why can't we work from home why can't we do that 
and this is an opposite thing now people are saying hey why can't we go to office so it's creating almost similar uh, emotions in the people uh, though, though both are at the extreme end and the value uh, in the the sweet spot always lies somewhere in between the sweet that there has to be a healthy mix of both but having said that uh, we don't know when this uh, period would end you know everybody has their own guess somebody is saying by end of this year somebody is saying middle of next year somebody is saying end of this quarter it's all everybody is making their own uh, guesses in terms of when they'll go back to work when the vaccine would be there or when they'll be uh, when the curve will flatten out the covid will come down so in that situation when we don't know what's to be done it's critical that we start developing the capability of our people managers towards managing remote teams now because if that's not there again uh, what will happen is uh, people will start uh, burning out and we are already seeing some mental health issues in in some of the people in some other uh, industry and news we see articles here and we when we discuss in the hr community we do hear about it and people are uh, you know facing mental health issues so that two or th- i would say three aspects of it in, uh, in this uh, you know how do you really manage it first is as managers one needs to understand that employees at home and at home it is about it's not only managing the work the person is also managing home because what is happening is now kids classes are online uh, so that's happening at home uh, if their spouse is working uh, he or she is also working from home and then we still don't have the house helps to help you uh, with the things you have to do it all all for yourself so in in such a situation recognizing the fact that it can't be that somebody is logging in at 8 o'clock in the morning and logging off at 6 o'clock in the evening expecting that is not right it's about as managers how we can give flexibility to our people um, you know to deliver on the output one of the key things which i always say is that work is not something where you go to work is something what you accomplish there's a difference between work and workplace many people confuse work and workplace together going to workplace means working it may also happen that people are going to workplace and still not working uh, and and we, uh, we 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 see this concept of what they called as presenteeism when you are present in office but you are still not working and idling your time so the key aspect on which the managers need to be sensitized uh, in, in these times is about how do you separate work and workplace and how do you ensure that an employee has his or her personal needs also to attend at home focus on the output and don't focus on the login log off time uh, that's uh, and uh, be mindful of the person's uh, personal flexibility requirement in, uh, in these situations one may take a two hour break in the afternoon uh, you know to go and cook food and eat food and then and do the dishes and come back you have to do that you can't really escape from it uh or same way when the child's classes are ending or the child has a break in between you have to take a break and maybe if, if the child wants some snacks and to 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 give to him or him or her you have to do that or is somebody at home uh, you know who's come in uh, for any kind of a household work or a you know electrician work or a plumbing work or whatever you have to be there so be mindful of the fact that employees uh, have their personal flexibility requirements and and give them that flexibility focus on the output don't focus on time i think that's the first thing which managers need to focus on in this remote working second piece is how do you ensure that the team uh, comes together so how do you still ensure that the the social uh, bonding is happening see in offices what happens apart from work we also socialize 
we also have a lot of what we call as the coffee corner conversations or the pantry conversations or the water cooler conversations where you talk about what's happening outside, you talk about what's happening in the company, you say something about your boss, you say something about the company, all of that stuff happens, you know, it's very normal, uh, you know, uh, you know, those, uh, then you have those gossips uh, in, in the office, uh, the grapevines in office, so it's all of that which, which, which is kind of keeps you socially alive. In such a situation, how can you create such forums in a virtual environment where you are not talking work, but you are still allowing the team to bond. You are still allowing the team to come together and relax and have some fun times, have some social times. So that's another, that's a second important piece, uh, which a manager needs to focus on. Not don't just focus on, uh, you know, work, but also focus on the social time. The third piece is about how do you start managing your team members? Uh, and when you say managing your team members, you also manage your, their emotional uh, health. And what do I mean by that? See, when I'm in office, uh, when, when my team member comes in, walks in, I, I see him or her. And from the facial expressions I, or a body language, I can understand the person is happy, sad, excited, disappointed. You know, you can very clearly find out and then you can have a conversation. Hey, if something bothering you, it seems, let's sit and have a chat. Maybe, maybe something I can help you with uh, is something work related or something personal. If do you want to speak up, speak about it. And if there's a good bond between manager and the employee, the employee would uh, speak to the manager and share, uh, share it. In such a situation, in a remote working situation, I don't see my employee on a daily basis on, uh, every day. And even when there are calls, some, most of the calls, we don't really switch on our videos. We tend to uh, keep it more audio calls. So I really don't know as a manager what's really happening to my employee. Is the employee feeling good, not good, happy, not happy, distracted, not distracted. So as a manager, it's critical that whenever you start a, a meeting, whenever you start a discussion, start with a check-in. And check-in means very clearly uh, you know, two or three basic questions. What are you feeling at this point of time? Start with the let a person speak out. Is there anything preventing you from being here? Let the person tell it that there is some, there is a distraction and then you can understand the employee's mental health much better. And when you understand the employee's mental health, you'll be able to uh, you know, help him or her deal with it. And when the person is able to deal with it in a, is in a positive frame of mind, the output will always happen. So otherwise, you know, uh, if somebody is distracted, uh, the person will make more mistakes in the work rather than anything else. I can give you a live example. There was one of uh, uh, my colleagues who was really, uh, you know, there was, uh, uh, when I asked this check-in question to, to him, he for a moment just paused. And, as, and the moment he paused, I said, this, something is wrong. And we were at 10 o'clock in the morning having this meeting. And, uh, and I asked him again, I said, would you like to speak about it? And if there's something in your mind, um, you know, feel free and, and ultimately it's going to remain between both of us. And then the person talked about it. And I can tell you, we had a one hour meeting and 45 minutes went into that check-in process. Only the guy was so full and the person, he just wanted someone to listen to, uh, to him, uh, what the person was going. There was a challenge which he was facing with one of his, his friend was facing. And the friend was extremely close friend of his and, and he was really, uh, you, know, um, you know, in a state of mind where he can't help, but at the same time was really concerned about the friend. And 
that was taking a toll on his uh, mental health and for 45 minutes we just continued talking about it uh, and then we said okay we'll reschedule the meeting but this is more important now that's critical skill which each manager needs to learn when you are managing your teams remotely create a good emotional bond with the team member and also ensure that you give a safe space for people to speak out to you and more so in such remote environments more so in such re uh, real realities where people are really full and they really want somebody to speak to the, uh, to to hear them out and if as a manager you can do that everything else will follow you take care of their social socializing needs you take care of their personal needs and you take care of their emotional needs i think if these three things a manager is able to do well uh, you can easily manage teams in remote if not if even one of them is not doing this the things will start uh, things will not be in the right place that's a very refreshing and a very uh, forward view that i got from you uh, moving into the uh, last section that i wanted to touch is the future of hr uh so the uh, in the beginning of the webinar we touched the point of how uh, hr landscape has grown and ai and big data data analytics has become a part of it uh what are your uh, you know if you could give, give us a deeper view into how will be the interaction between these technologies and the hr see both have to go hand in hand they both have to work together uh it's never one against the other um, you know technology is an enabler but the key thing to remember is that we should use enabler as an enabler and that's what i was saying at the beginning that what has what has started to happen earlier and it's uh, in a way it's good change which is covid has brought in because covid has brought the focus back on uh, on the human aspect of human resources because what was happening earlier was that technology was overtaking hr you were everything was becoming employee self service employee self service you go and do it it's good i'm nowhere saying it's not good but then there still needs to be a human touch we still need to have uh, you know uh, as human beings we still love to talk we still love to socialize and i was saying so all these issues which are faced which employees are facing these days all the mental health issues which we are which are coming up or depression issues which are coming up why because all the tools are still there the employee self service manager self service everything is there there's nothing which an employee can't do today sitting at home which she was he or she was doing it in office but what they are lacking today or what they are missing out is that human touch so this is uh, the crux of it so te using technology is good use technology for taking the right decisions uh for people but you have your ears on the ground and at the same time don't discriminate indiscriminately use technology see sometimes what happens is you get a data but what is the story behind the data data will never tell you so if you, uh, uh, i give another example and this was interesting uh, case which happened with one of my friend and uh, you know um, he was narrating it to me that one of the team members uh, in his team was not performing well and they were looking at the the targets and all for the last uh, you know 2 to 2 uh, to 3 months continuously that the targets were down so what do you what typically do in most of the organization they look at it hey the things are uh, you know are, are not going well you'll have a conversation with the person put a person in the performance improvement plan or tell him your goals are not really uh, meeting you give that feedback and expect the person to uh, you know uh, have uh, you know improve uh, oneself but 
and the manager tried to ask a couple of times and uh, and, and the employee uh, said no no not, nothing I, i'll try to improve i'll try to improve and that's what kept on happening and then the system was so automated that if in 3 months consistently if you have uh, you know a, a, a not met a kind of kind of output from there because every month you are you are feeding in what was your target was what was the result it automatically generates a performance improvement plan so that's how the technology was set up and the parallel because there was something which was bothering the person and without understanding what was there you know the the, the person was put on a performance improvement plan then one of uh, you know the, there was an hr intern over there and she just you know she overheard a conversation happening oh this employee is not working well for the last 3 months and she is going to be on the pip and this intern said okay let me just uh, speak to her to see what's really happened and this employee once you know so okay uh, you know uh, want to just have let's spend an evening together and they went out uh, you know uh, uh, for for a dinner and, and then they were having a chat there and this is where uh, you know when they were kind of going and they, they got really friendly uh, this employee shared uh, with that intern that she is facing major issues in her marital life and and they were they were uh, having a divorce uh, you know situation at home and that is what was so and and there was a issue over the custody of the child and then you know and that was really bothering her more than the divorce but the custody of the child which was bothering uh, that employee that where should the child go because both of them wanted to have the child with them and that was so much uh, overwhelming that uh, the employee was just not able to focus on work now data won't tell you the story this story came out only when somebody spoke to that person and these are very personal matters employees generally people generally don't talk much about uh, you know uh, in organizations so but that's where the skill of an hr person lies Yeah, that's where the human touch lies. So, one should use technology for all the analytics. Look at the data. One can see the data coming in last three months. The person has not really performed. But before triggering that PIP, the performance improvement plan, if somebody would have spoken to that person, the person would have gone into a further spiral about the fact that hey, on one hand, one is facing this issue at a personal life, and the person uh, herself was not very happy that the targets are not being met. and on top of it you put a pip and most companies you see a pip means a exit route so pip means 3 months and will essentially means that after 3 months we are going to say that you know please uh, you know move on you are not really performing so use technology use technology for an analytics use technology for understanding what's happening use technology to understand what's there but have your ear to the ground to know the story behind the tech, uh, behind what is happening don't just rely on the data it's good to have data it's uh, because that makes a decision uh, much more richer but at the same time we need to have decision which are which are richer in the context of uh, human sensitivity also not just a technical sensitivity so i always that's why i always say that uh, it's important that we are in human um, resources function um, the humanness cannot go away we always need to have that empathy factor in the organization and that's where a human resource professional always has to work with heart you know we tend to sometimes go overboard in terms of business partnering we start taking decision which are reckless 
which are about you know cut the headcount cut the you know uh, cut salaries cut this benefit all of that stuff keeps happening because this is what uh, the business leader is saying or this is what the finance person is saying look at what's the, what's the impact going to happen uh, you know on the ground so that's well, that's what my view is at the same time uh, you know, I have leveraged technology a lot in terms of a lot of data analytics around why the diversity numbers were low in, in, in the organization. And we created a good program out of it because that gave us a good insight. So use data for an insight, back it up with actual stories about what's behind that insight, and then create, uh, you know, the initiative rather than directly uh, jumping onto a data, uh, listen to the story behind the data is what I would say. Definitely very, uh, you know, insightful point that data uh, technology can only be an enabler, but the important part of HR is the human, the first word of it. And uh, I'd like to uh, pose my last question of the webinar talking about this aspect is that a lot of organizations are now trying to become younger, uh, you know, according to the trend. And uh, uh, could you like give me some insights about how organizations decide process to invest in the next generation and uh, you know in something called succession planning? That's, that's the most critical aspect uh, uh, in, in an organization that how do you really create uh, new leaders? It's a, uh, that shows the strength of or the bench strength in an organization. How do you create that bench? How do you create that pool of uh, people who are willing to who are ready, not even willing, who are ready to take on uh, the responsibilities. And every good company would look at it from a point of view that fundamental enabler of a good succession planning initiative is the leader's buy-in. Till the time the leadership doesn't invest in people, this thing, uh, the succession planning will not help. All good companies I have seen, um, you know, I have the privilege to work with some really good names, whether it was Johnson & Johnson or Philips or now Volvo, uh, T in between. The succession planning discussions uh, are always held, uh, you know, very regularly, every quarter with the CEO and the entire leadership team, himself or herself, all of them investing their time on it. I think that's the first important piece because that shows the commitment. Without that, things will never percolate down. So having a, a, a formal session at that level is, is important. Second piece when you're talking, when you are talking about developing leaders at the next level, it's always about how much broad-based we can have the views about, the, uh, about our employees. Many times in, um, uh, in many organizations, you have the manager you know, only giving the perspective and, and you disregard the perspective of, of other stakeholders. And this is the this is one fundamental mistake those organizations make. For a leader to be successful, one needs to have buy-in of people around him or her. One needs to manage the stakeholders well, and the stakeholders also need to believe that person's uh, uh, leadership uh, ability and capability. Now, you put a person up there without investing uh, or without hearing what others are saying may not work. Sometimes a manager will say, "Oh, my guy is great, fantastic." fit to be promoted, you know, he's doing great job. Uh, and you disregard the fact that, you know, what the sales, uh, you know, let's say, take example of a salesperson, you disregard the fact that the finance person is saying, yeah, so many accounts, uh, there's so many receivables from the uh, sales, which he's making the, the most of the sales, which he's making is not generating money in, in cash. It's only the, you know, we are only giving stocks and that's it. Or somebody or the team members that are trying to say that, oh, he's not really managing the team, but he's just pushing his team members a lot without really working with them. 
those that leader the moment you put him or her into that higher role the person is bound to fail so second important part is how do you ensure that while grooming leaders to that level we are hearing all the stakeholders and having a more comprehensive view about the ability and the capability and the development areas of the person and then we start uh, investing in third critical piece uh, over here is about understanding uh, what is the role requires and where is the gap uh, many companies don't have uh, something what we call as success profiles now what's a success profile success profile essentially means that what is needed to be successful in that role it's you know generally we focus about the experience we generally focus about competencies we generally focus about uh, educational qualification but it miss one important aspect which is the personality of the person every personality is not suited for every kind of role there has to be apart from a capability development there also there also has to be a personality uh, match are we focusing on that companies which are successful are the ones who are also ensuring that the right kind of person is put in the right kind of roles so uh, so doing a personality matching also and, and before that articulating what does what kind of personality is required for for being successful in a role uh, is critical so so uh, so creating that aspect uh, uh, is is important other piece is about how do we really when we identify certain people uh, who are our high potential so we have gone through this process of listening to stakeholders leadership buy in is there uh, we have uh, done our personality match everything is done and we are saying okay this person x is is a succession plan for you know for uh, role a role b role c now the next point is how do we really build that capability and building that capability is not always a uh, uh, a training program and many people feel that you know building the capability meaning send a person to a training program send him to some uh, you know uh, some college or some iim program or some technical program and the capability will be built you know that's that's never the uh, successful uh, you know uh, formula the successful formula is about building capability through experiences and then how do you provide the person with the right experiences to build that capability so it means that to start uh, you know uh, putting that person into cross functional projects you start putting the person into projects which will test those competencies and will help person de- develop them put them into roles which are beyond the person's comfort zone put them into roles which are beyond the person's regular uh, you know uh, job because that will broaden the person's perspective because if somebody the sales guy put him into a supply chain uh, project somebody supply chain person put him into operations project somebody the operations person put him into let's say uh, hr project whatever so broad based that capability put the person into projects where somebody is learning something else and that uh, that starts to build the right capabilities in the person and that's when uh, you know you also learn it by doing and not just learn it by reading a book because there are enough books otherwise to read uh, nobody can learn swimming by reading books you know you have to learn swimming by jumping into the water you have to learn to drive a car by going behind the steering wheel just knowing that you know you have a clutch clutch and accelerator and brake and this is the steering wheel doesn't make you uh, drive confidently on the road the confidence comes only when you are actually practicing it so how are you making stretching that person and then this is where the leadership roles again comes in as a leadership don't hold on to your people set them free 
let them experiment with their uh, you know free time let give them the free time to experiment with what else they want to learn what else they want to do in the organization because then only you will be able to uh, create a successful next level leaders many uh, you know uh, people tend to hold on to their talent many leaders say oh if i'll give 20% of my bandwidth uh, to this person what will happen to my job they forget the fact that if i'm saying somebody's high potential the person will be able to do that uh, that job and still be able to uh, do something else because as you go up in the system you need to expand your bandwidth and this is a test to test of the test that piece that whether you are the person is able to expand the bandwidth or not so give that person that chance rather than holding back that person and saying oh this my world will collapse nothing collapses it's just a fear which many leaders have so as a leader be enterprising as a leader take that risk take that bet on people so that's another critical uh, piece which i would say and the last one i would say uh, very very important uh, pieces take bets on people sometimes somebody may not be 100% be right for the job but the fact that when uh, when you put a bet on the people uh, on that person and tell the person that i believe in you you may not be 100% ready you may be 70% ready but i believe you can do the job 100% well i can tell you the person rises to the occasion the person also has that hunger to prove himself or herself that yes i am the best person for the job so take bets on people sometimes we just want the person to be 100% fit before we put them onto the next level roles don't wait for that because if then anyways if you finding a 100% fitment you will never have that person will that role will never be aspiration for that person because that every 100% fitment means the person has every done everything which that role requires then what's the fun for that person what's the challenge for that person the challenge for that person is only when somebody is 70 75% ready and that's where the person grows and that's what the person actually develops the larger capability and stretches and thinks something in a different manner so take bets on people i would say don't wait for a 100% fitment 70 75% fitment i would it's good enough uh, for somebody to be put on that role and let the person maybe the person will uh, will struggle for a few uh, you know uh, for for some time in the beginning have that safety net with you so that don't that don't allow that person to drown and you'll very soon see the person is really you know swimming very well uh, you know in, in the waters absolutely thank you for this uh, futuristic view and a view into the growth of the firm as well as the employee i really would like to thank you mr sharma for the opportunity of having this webinar with us uh, thank you for your time and it has been a privilege to learn from your experience and your insights thank you my pleasure sakshi and really enjoyed interacting with you thank you thank you i look forward to having more collaborations with speakin and volvo sure definitely thank you